I apologize for the coldness here. Uh, we did lose power and I forgot about the heat pumps needing to be turned back on. So that's why I failed you. <sighs> you got a fire going when it's taking a while to warm up. Um, but uh, as often is the case uh, with, with series, uh, I like to kind of go over at the beginning an introduction. It's um, very similar to what it is every week. Uh, just to recap, you know what we're talking about and what we've gone over already. And, uh, um, and like we've said before, that uh, a lot of times we hear things being preached, and we're like, "Well, that doesn't apply to me." And we just kind of brush it off, or being teached, that's a word, it's not. Being taught, um, we kind of brush things off, and I know I, I've done it, um, but uh, just <clears throat> as we go through all these different things we're talking about, I just hoping that we, I'm just hoping that we can be um, open and honest with ourselves and, and God, and um, that his word would speak to us, is um, there are some things probably that come up that we struggle with and maybe it doesn't look maybe it looks a little different in our life how we struggle with it um, than what we normally think I know as I <clears throat> as I teach these things and go through these books of the Bible and stuff there's always things that apply to me and I feel silly teaching it but um, I guess I'm not there yet, but but the Bible tells us to to live in harmony with each other. The King James Version says, "Being of the same mind," which is the same thing, just more words. But the Bible tells us um, to live in harmony. Romans does that to aim for harmony in the church, and tells us that this is something that is fitting or good for the followers of Jesus um, to do, and so. We've been jumping around different versions, the New Living, the English Standard, the King James, uh, all over the place. Um, but our kind of our, our base for this little series, um, there's three verses, all in Romans 12 to 16. But the first one says, live in harmony with each other. And we'll go through this verse later on, the rest of it, but um, today. So, and then, so then let us aim for harmony in the church. Try to build each other up. And may God who gives this patience and encouragement help you to live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for the followers of Christ Jesus. So we've been talking about harmony and um, these three verses are kind of scattered you know, evenly pretty much throughout um, Romans 12 to 16. This is where we get the word harmony from. It's an ongoing theme and um, if you read through this passage you'll find several points or things that we can do to help us live in harmony with each other um, you know in the church and in the world and in our homes and all that sort of thing as we've said before that we're living in a chaotic time you know every day there's something trying to divide us um, i've been avoiding the social media for a couple weeks it's been nice i haven't been angry about stuff that doesn't matter to me in a while. So maybe I'll keep doing it. But there's always something um, to be upset about. Um, and like we said, um, this 
describes where we're living. Second Timothy three. I understand this, uh, but understand this that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people we love as ourselves, love as a money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying um, its power. Avoid such people, and that is where we are living. And um, you know, it's very much device. Everything's divisive. You know, I'm right, and anyone who thinks otherwise is the devil or a Nazi or evil or whatever. And we kind of throw accusations around, you know, labels at people. That don't really apply, but they sound powerful or something. I don't know. You know, everyone's a bigot, everyone's a racist, everyone's a liar, everyone's whatever. Whatever you can think of. Um, and so there's all this division and disunity in, uh, in our society. And if we aren't careful, like we've said, this sort of thinking and this sort of attitude can kind of creep its way into the church, which is what the enemy wants. Because uh, if you can divide the church, Jesus said a house divided against itself can't stand. So if you can divide the church, if you can divide our family, then he's winning. There's nothing we can't stand. And so um, the church, the word that we get church from, ecclesia, means called out once. Called out from what? From the world, from the world's way of thinking. We talked about this in Romans 12 and 1 uh, and 2, being our being not conformed to the world and all that sort of thing. And so God doesn't want us to live like the world. We go every week we talk about how bad the world is, and the the reason is to remind us that we're not supposed to be like that. Not to be like, oh no, everything's terrible. Um, but to remind us that that's what God's called us out from. And so God doesn't want us to live divided. God doesn't want us fighting with each other and grumbling and complaining and whatever He's called us out from this. And so um, we know that the world in the New Testament times wasn't much better. Um, you know, the Roman Empire kind of taking everyone over. They didn't want to be taken over. And so there's all kinds of conflict going on there, and everyone's trying to overthrow the government. And then, you know, their politicians killed each other in those days. Poison and, you know, all that sort of thing. We, we just use the media or whatever. But. Anyways, moving on. Harmony is is something that is lacking in our world, but it's something that we need in the church, and it's something that we should want, um, hopefully. Um, you said there's some people who like to live in chaos. I don't know what to do with them. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4 and 33 that God is not the author of confusion, but he's the author of peace. And so peace and harmony, they go hand in hand. And this isn't saying that there won't be conflict or friction because there is going to be because we're people and we're different. You know, even in your own, even in my own self, I have conflict with myself. Paul said, "There's a war going on in me, so there's going to be conflict and stuff." And but this, these things, if we do these things, um, it should help us. Um, avoid it and live in harmony, hopefully. And so um, we're going to go to the book of Romans. Paul, again, he Romans, he's dealt with a lot of doctrine and then he ends it with how to live this stuff out. And so last week, 
There we go. Last week we hit three things of our six that we were supposed to do. And um, so the first one was love or, or really love people, if you remember this. And love the right things. And we talked about things that God hates and how we should hate those things. We've talked about practicing help and hospitality and being there for each other when, when someone needs it. Uh, and then we talked about blessing our, our persecutors, which was super fun. And so we had six things we we're going to go through. We got through half of them. And so tonight we're going to wrap that up. I didn't have, um, you can use the same handout if we have it. If you didn't, I think you got one. Um, I've added more info, information to the points because I didn't have enough notes. It would have been like 15 minutes. So everyone would, be, everyone would cry if we were only 15 minutes. So, so I beefed it up a bit. So there may be things that you can write down if you want. Or write down there. I don't have all the verses on there. And so anyways, moving on to the actual Bible study. Um, so the first thing we need to do tonight is to enjoy the company of other saints. So Romans 12 and 16, you've heard this before. But the King James Version says, Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. So what that means is live in harmony with each other. Do not be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Whew. That's a good one. We've already gone over uh, in the past couple weeks ago. Um, don't think so highly of yourself. And this kind of goes along with that. There's sort of sometimes overlapping things because sometimes we don't get it the first time. So we've got to hear it again in a different way. Um, but I don't know if you noticed the theme here. This says, live in harmony with each other. And then it tells me what I need to do. And if, we, if I want to have harmony, if I want to live in harmony myself, then it's not you that needs to change. It's me that needs to change. I'm not saying you don't need to change. <laughs> but if you want to have harmony in your life, it's not everyone else that needs to get on board and fall in line. It's me that needs to, to change. Harmony starts with me or us as individuals. Harmony starts You've noticed there's this underlying theme for a lot of these things, but it starts with my attitude towards you. How I see you, how I treat you, how I view you. Um, if I can get my attitude under control, which is a hard thing to do for me, but if I can get my attitude under control, if I can submit my ways and my thinking and my heart and my life and my mind and my attitude to Jesus, if I can go back to Romans 12, 1 to 2, and if I can lay myself on the altar, then I'll be able to live in harmony. If you don't want to have harmony in your life, that's up to you. That's your decision. You want to be miserable and live in chaos? Have at her. Go for it. Enjoy. Have a good time. But if you don't want to have harmony, that's up to you. I, I can't help what you're, what you're going to do. I can't help what you're going to do or how you're going to look at me or how you're going to treat me. I can't, 
I, I really can't control you. Um, I can't do that. I can't help what you're going to do. So some, some people, they just like being upset and angry. You know? There's some days I just want to be mad. Anyone else? You're just like, you know what? I don't want to hear anything. I just want to be... Just give me all the bad news. Let's go. I don't know. Maybe that's weird. But there's some, some people just like to be upset and angry. They don't know how to live if they're not mad at something. But I, I don't have control over that. I have the ability and opportunity to have harmony in my own life. I've, all I have control over is, is me. Problems come... Oh, sorry. Some, some people, they, they just can't seem to get along with anyone. You know, you know what, someone like that? You live with someone like that, maybe? <laughs> and generally, my kids, well, I got some of them. I got some kids, a few of them. And uh, sometimes they're just complaining about everyone. Everyone's fighting with me. And everyone, it's like, well, what's the common denominator here? <laughs> Why is everyone fighting with Julia? Maybe it's Julia's attitude that I can smell from here. <laughs> Look at her face. We're just teasing. But, you know, maybe we've all had those days where everyone's just getting on my nerves. And the problem isn't everyone else. The problem is always with you. And we don't like to say that, you know. We, can, we like to blame everyone else around us. They're all, everyone's crazy. Everyone at work was crazy today. Everyone, oh, they're all dumb. Can you believe I'm the only person in the entire place with a brain? The rest of them are just clueless. It's unbelievable. I don't know how they function. No, no one's ever said that, I know. But the problems, let's move on. I'm going to stick to the notes or I'm going to get in trouble. Problems come when we start thinking more highly of ourselves. This is what the Bible says. Don't think highly of yourself. More highly of yourself than you should. Problems come when we start to do that. When we live, you know, selfishly. When we are proud. When we when we think that we're the smartest person in the room, or whatever. He says, "Don't be too proud." There, there, pride it, it separates us. Pride causes division. You're not too good for me. Sorry, and I'm not too good for you. If Jesus wasn't too good to eat with sinners and hang out with some of the people he hung out with, well, neither are you, honey. Um, and we've been praying for Carla Corliss. Um, her husband, Jock, um, just dropping names here, he's a doctor. You know, it's a pretty big deal, I think. I'm not a doctor. He's like an actual doctor, not like a, he has a doctorate. He's like a, a doctor. And um, when we moved here, the, the weekend we were packing everything up, they showed up at our apartment to help us clean it. And this is a big deal. <laughs> like, I'm just, I was just a guy who worked at McDonald's. You know. And, uh, yeah. And like what other situation would that happen other than in the church? That someone 
you know, we're different classes, I guess, if you will. You know, someone would do that. You know, he says, Paul says, don't, you know, be too proud to you know, enjoy the company of regular people. That's me, so regular people. But that can be people that maybe you see as, as below you. And that's what that kind of implies. Or, or common folk or whatever. You know, pride pride does that. It sets up different, you know, tiers. And I'm, I'm here and you're there and, and whatever. And everyone's kind of in these different places. That's what pride does. But Paul's saying we don't, we don't, we shouldn't be like that. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of regular people. Just... People that maybe you don't think are special. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of these people. Pride will sometimes say that, you know, you shouldn't spend time with them or they're beneath you or that's a waste, you know. Um, and these aren't really things that we often say out loud, but there can be groups of people or, or specific people on occasion that we, for whatever reason, we have no interest in spending time with. And I'm talking about people in the church, not, you know, that's what Paul's talking about. But we can sometimes judge a book by its cover and we see someone in the church or whatever, we predetermine that we really have nothing in common with them and we put no effort into getting to know them and we're spending time with them at all. But when we actually end up for whatever we, we end up spending time together and we maybe we sit down and we have a, a coffee or tea or whatever, we, we have a talk and you find out more about a person, you get to know them a little bit better when you spend time with them, when you enjoy their company. There's a guy in the St. John Church. He's a few years older than me, and I've known him for years. Um, you know, I remember when he, he came into the church, and um, we've been around the same church together for a very, very long time. You know, sometimes... He'd come and pray for me at the altar. Sometimes I'd go and pray for him at the altar, and that was our relationship. You know, we see each other. Hey, how's it going, Sean? How, how are you doing? And, and that was that. And then and and whatever. And and one year, um, my wife and I we were directing the Sunday school play, and we had a, a Saturday dress rehearsal like we do. Um, the Saturday we did. I think we did two two Saturdays before. And um, the church in, in St. John the it's right up the, the hill from the mall. And so a lot of parents would just drop their kids off for a couple hours, go to the mall, come back at 12 or whenever we were done, and, and pick their kids up. And so um, Sean was like, um, I guess I'm saying his name. He was like, you know, um, I'm going to drop my kids off. Um, here's my number. And just text me when, when you're done. And um, his son actually has been involved in real plays now. I like to think that we started something there, but professional ones. But anyways, um, and I was talking, I think, to another friend, um, a mutual friend between us, and it came up that this guy, Sean, and myself, and whatever this conversation with this other guy was, um, we both enjoyed cheering for the same um, professional hockey team. And uh, that was rare because we were surrounded by the enemy, and... Uh, and so he gave me his cell phone number to text when practice was over, and so I did that, and so he could come get his kids in, and, um, and this was probably eight years ago, because we've been here six and 
um, I think. And so it was probably eight, nine years ago, maybe. I don't know. And a, a little while later, a couple days later, um, this team was playing, and he started texting me through the game. Oh, did you see that um, hit or goal or whatever it was? And, and, and you know, that sort of thing. And, and somehow, through this little thing, this little conversation at the church and this little text message, um, it's been eight years, nine years, and um, this guy still... We've developed a relationship through this randomness. And this guy still like, messages me um, every day, literally. My wife's like, who are you? he's the only person I text. <laughs> who are you talking to? Oh, it's Sean again. Like, all the time. And so, like, we talk about hockey, we talk about the kids, we talk about, you know, work sometimes. We, if I have something that I need to pray for, I know he knows how to pray. He'll pray for it if he has something that I need or he wants to, to pray for. He'll ask me. And, and we've got this sort of relationship that started all because one moment we stood at the back of the church. We knew each other for years, but we just stood there talking with somebody else and then bonded over the red, white, and blue. And, and that's that. And then it's just... After years of going to the same church, we took time and found some common interests, and then we enjoyed the company of each other. And, you know, that was something that when I worked at, at McDonald's, I tried to get along with everyone. I tried to find something in common with pretty much everybody that I worked with to make the shift go easier, because you got something to talk about. And then, you know, I found out all sorts of things about people that others didn't know. You know, there was a, we had this maintenance guy, this big, Burly, terrifying guy, huge, um, tattooed all up, whatever. And found out he was adopted by a Japanese family. They were all little and short, but he was like six foot four, huge. <laughs> it's hilarious. But he would save up his, um, he'd get an extra job every year and save up his um, money and take his kid on a huge vacation. That's what somebody did every year. And everyone knew And I came to know these things about these people. I, I met a girl that um, wants to be a doctor. She was only in high school then. Now she just got accepted to medical school. You know, there's, there's these things that I found out about people and we, and it made, you know, I found that I didn't hate going to work so much because I got to know the people. And we developed relationships. And there was some sense of harmony in that because I found myself enjoying being around most of these people and it made it a lot easier and some of them they still keep me updated about what's going on in their lives six years later and um, if that's something that we can do outside of the church and you know that makes our day go easier and it makes brings harmony in that sense in a workplace or, or whatever um, you know, how much more beneficial is it to the church to do the same? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is what, just enjoy the company of others. You don't need to be interceding and laying hands and rebuking, you know, all the time. You can just enjoy the company of each other. Um, it's a lot easier to be angry with people and to not like people who you don't spend any time with, or you don't know anything about. It's a lot easier to say, well, that person, they're just whatever. But you don't know where they've come from. You don't know what they've gone through. 
because you've never enjoyed spending time together. It's been a while since I quoted Anne, but she said, Kindred spirits are not so scarce as I used to think. It's splendid to find out there are so many of them in the world. And so, you know, God has put us all together in the body, and we should be able to enjoy each other's company. Company, And hopefully, if all goes well, this is going to come as a shock. We might spend eternity together. <laughs> you know, if we do this right. Um, you know, then if that's a scary thought, then we need to work on some things. Um, but, you know, you can't fake enjoyment. It's got to be real respect and appreciate each other. We are family. Um, there's a community that God has put us in. People can tell if you're faking it. Well, some of them can. And it's, it's not fun. And this is about our perception again. Do not be too proud to enjoy the company. We can get, or let our pride get in the way of enjoying the company of each other. Um, proud people never have a good time. And there have been times, um, I'm almost done this point. I've been beating it too long. But there have been times, to be honest, I've been in a situation and I thought, all these people around me are crazy. Um, you know, I. Why am I here? Not, not in the church. Sorry. Yes, sometimes. Like if I go do a thing with other parents, and a school thing, it's just uncomfortable to me. I don't know why. I'm like these people are all weird. Get them away from me. But there's times when I, I felt like that. And, and I mean, why am I here? I shouldn't be here. And you know what? I did not enjoy myself because my pride got in the way. Because I thought, well, I'm this and that. Oh, I shouldn't be here, whatever. And if we do that, our pride it causes us not to enjoy ourselves. Uh, I think I've revealed too much about myself today. But if you, if you find yourself not enjoying the company of somebody in the church, then, then maybe we need to take a look at ourselves and make sure that it's not a pride issue. Um, you know, maybe that person is just a miserable person, um, but we still have the joy of the Lord, so we can still be happy in any situation or joyful in any situation. But pride will sap that joy. So you're not going to have harmony if you're too grumpy and miserable to enjoy the company of others. There's something up for you. Um, it's not a coincidence that harmony is specifically mentioned in this verse. And I hate to break it to you, but technically you cannot have harmony by yourself. By definition, harmony requires more than one. So our attitudes toward each other, how we personally view each other, is directly connected to the harmony that we have in our lives. I don't think I'm going to get through two points tonight. What is going on? I know some folks who just love everyone, they're comfortable around everyone, they're happy to be around everyone, and for some reason, they are the most peaceful, happy people I know as well. So do with them as you will. But hopefully that point was clear, we beat it to death. Um, the second point tonight, do not be a know-it-all. So the same verse, we're stuck in this verse, Romans 12 and 16, live in harmony with each other, do not be too proud, but enjoy the company of ordinary people, and don't think you know it all. These, in my humblest opinion, are the worst kinds of people in the world, the know-it-alls. 
you say something, well, actually, this. So if you weren't even listening, you just jumped on the word there. Oh, I told you before about a guy I worked with once. He knew everything. Even if he didn't, he made it up. One day I said, so what's it like to know everything? Then he was confused. <laughs> I just got tired of telling some, like, you start telling a story and he would just pick it up and run in the wrong direction with false information. Like, just stop. You don't know what you're talking about. Just sit this one out. No one's talking to you. Stay out of it. You know, but you ever had someone, you know, you're trying to tell a story and they correct you and then they're wrong? Oh, it's the worst. Get out of here. Turn to your neighbor, look him in the eyes, and say, I don't know everything. <laughs> and then say, you don't know everything. Did you get an urge to say something else? <laughs> to correct them? If so, then you got to deal with that. Everyone knows something that you don't know. I know it's hard to believe. Whether you believe it or not, I can guarantee you um, that there are things that people in this room know that you don't know. Um, there are things my children know that I don't know, which is a hard pill to swallow sometimes. Annabelle is doing math stuff in school that I vaguely remember, and she's absolutely killing it. And there was a time when I was, or she was obsessed with butterflies, and she knew more about that than anybody I ever met. Um, she taught me once that male butterflies are smaller than females. I did not know that. I grew up my whole life not knowing that. And then she told me, and then they knew. But if I look at them and say, well, I, you, know, you can't teach me anything. You're just a kid, you know. I would have never learned some of the things that they've taught me. Sometimes my children will be sitting around, they'll throw out some random fact or tidbit, and I'm like, no way. That's crazy. And then I look it up and it's true. It's like, wow. It taught me something again. And I may know more information about other things. You may know more information about other things. You know, but you don't know everything about everything. And there's value in each and every one of us. And if we act like uh, we know it all um, and we dismiss each other, all we're doing is we're just driving a wedge between us. And we're causing resentment. We're causing a division. And sometimes we can look at others in the church and maybe people that haven't been around as long as us in the church. And maybe they maybe they don't have the standards down yet. Or maybe their faith isn't as, seems as strong or whatever. You know, whatever the thing is. And, and uh, we can look at them sometimes and, and kind of dismiss them when they try to tell us something or try to share something, you know. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said I'd never done that. Before we came here, I had people... You know, come up to me and, oh, you need to preach this and this and this. And I'm like, get out of my face. Like, <laughs> I don't, who, who are you? Like, go away. Uh, you know, people, that's probably the wrong attitude. I, I should have listened better when I was young and foolish. And now I'm old and foolish. I'm middle of the end of my life. But there's value in each and every one of us. And there, you know, there's been times, you know, yeah, anyways, where I said in my heart, well, they can't teach me anything. 
And that's just pride. Every time. I don't know if you've noticed this in, in this little list of things we're going through, but pride keeps coming back. Everything seems to be rooted in pride. It keeps popping up in different manifestations. It's making me feel, um, look at myself higher than I should. It's causing me to think I know everything. It's causing me to not enjoy the company of others. It's not um, it's stopping me from forgiving or blessing my persecutor. It's, it, it's the root issue for everything. You can't have harmony and pride. Almost all of these things that we talk about stem from from pride. And so Paul's saying, you know, you don't know it all. Don't talk over people. Listen, pay attention. Don't devalue and dismiss each other. We should listen to each other because everyone can teach us something. And uh, that's enough for that one. The last one, because this is going to be a good one. Don't get revenge. So we're going to end with this one. Hopefully we'll get through it. Um, but last week we ended up um, I'm praying for or blessing our persecutors, and this week it's very similar. Um, verse 17, recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. Uh, never pay back evil with more evil, this is the other version, and do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Honorable. Um, but revenge, uh, revenge is this all-consuming thing. And it will just eat us alive. And you spend all your time and energy thinking about someone else who probably doesn't even know. Focus so much on them that you miss out on what's going on right now. And you miss out sometimes on what God's trying to do. You miss out on the joys of life. You miss out on so many things because you're consumed with this thought of revenge. Well, you're consumed with what somebody did to you and you need to get them back. As Anigo Montoyo said when he finally got his revenge, it's strange, I've been in the revenge business for so long, I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. It's a consuming thing and it takes over everything. And um, Paul also goes on to say in verse 19, he says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God for the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. When somebody hurts us, um, our our reaction often is to try to get them back. They, they, need to get, they need to pay for what they did. We want to teach them a lesson. We want them to feel the pain that they've inflicted on us. It's a natural reaction. Like we've joked before, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth will leave the entire world blind and toothless. It will never end. Revenge will never end because... Uh, we've, I think I told a story before about the Hatfields and McCoys. It just started with something simple, and then it just kept escalating and escalating because they, they had to get them back, and it's got to be more. And, and it just got way out of hand over a pig or something like that. Um, Paul says, I'm oh, sorry. Paul says, don't repay evil with evil. Don't do it. And harmony is never going to be produced that way. You're never going to have harmony by looking for revenge. More hate does not cancel out hate. It goes Martin Luther King Jr. said, only love will do that. Leave it to God. He said, if we can trust him to provide for us, we can trust him 
to work on our behalf in this way, too. We will never have harmony if we're always set on getting someone back for something. Forgiveness is an essential part of harmony. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We live in a society, maybe we're not, you know, it's a pretty revengeful society right now, to be honest. It's often the goal. We've got to fight and argue and win and prove how clever we are and how foolish everyone else is. We've got to tear everyone down and attack and hurt each other. Very few people, it seems, love peace. Um, we like the idea of peace, but Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. We don't like the, we don't like the work that goes into making peace. It's not something that comes easily. It's something that needs to be, to be made. We've got to We've got people that, we've got to get people back. We've got to fight them and got to hurt and whatever. And sometimes in order to have peace, in order to make peace, we've got to let things go. If we're going to have peace and harmony, we can't be holding on to all this other stuff. Peace often becomes out of our grasp because of our, our attitudes. And again, pride, our ego. We'd rather be right than have peace. And like my children again, they like to fight every day. There's a fight. And it's like, just stop. If one of you would just stop talking, this whole thing would be over. But everyone needs to be right. And there's three of them. And they're not all right. If you could just stop, we would have peace and harmony. Instead of trying to be right all the time. Sometimes we just need to stop. Uh, where are we at here? i got to stay in here. But if we're going to argue and fight and do everything, you know, we, we like to argue and fight and do everything um, to avoid having peace. We all say we want peace, but it's something that we need to work at. Revenge, believe it or not, can come from a place of pride. Again, because we've been hurt. So we need to hurt back to get even. So that I'm back on top again where I belong. But Jesus is our example. And Jesus didn't threaten revenge. He was scourged, stripped, mocked, spit upon, beaten, had a crown of thorns thrust upon his head, and then they made fun of him, pretended to worship him. And all of this was undeserved. We have even a fraction done, and we got to get them back. But Jesus, instead of threatening or calling down an army of angels like he could have, he said, um, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? Instead, Jesus prayed, Forgive them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Um, Mark Noel the pastor in New Brunswick, he said, uh, it's one thing to act like a Christian, it's another thing to react like one. I mean, it's been a long time preaching and working on it, acting like a Christian, but that doesn't, it's how we react to things that really proves how much like Jesus we are. Um, Instead of revenge, Jesus told us, again, we need to be peacemakers, but he also said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain 
mercy. And at the time of Jesus, when he was when he said this, the world was very much still an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and every action had a, a consequence. And we when we live like that, it tends to escalate. You hurt me, I'm gonna hurt you, and it just gets a little bit more and more. In the Bible days, it wasn't uncommon for feuds to erupt either. Everyone wanted to pay someone back for what they did. If you think of the Old Testament, for example, Jacob's sons killed all the men in the city because the prince had uh, assaulted their sister. Samson destroys the Philistine crops because they gave his wife to someone else. Abner kills Joab's brother, and so Joab kills Abner. You know, it just escalates the whole kinds of stories. Now, even in the New Testament, John the Baptist is beheaded because he offended Herod. I mean, that's that's a bit much. Stephen is stoned because they didn't like what he was preaching. You know, there's this escalation of violence that is prevalent all throughout history and it's still very much alive today, the spirit of it. We cancel, we punish people over things they've said or done in the past. We silence and villainize anyone who's different than us. We want to hurt anyone who hurts us, offends us, or does anything or something we just don't like. And it's a dangerous way to live in Jesus he wants to confront this, and he wants to address this, and he says, instead of seeking revenge, we are to show mercy. Instead of getting even, we are to show mercy. Instead of payback, we should show mercy. And mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Mercy is sparing someone from retaliation or from a consequence. Mercy literally means not getting revenge or not giving someone what they deserve. Did they do something terrible? To you? Did they hurt you? Did they abuse you or rip you off or lie about you or spread rumors and gossip? Did they question or undermine you or whatever it was? You know, the world says they deserve to get it back. They deserve to have these things done to them. And sometimes we say they deserve it and maybe they do, but that's not mercy. And we need again to be like Jesus and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Oh, we can write that off and say, well, that's Jesus. I'll never be as good as Jesus. Well, we can be like Stephen then. He said the same thing when they killed him. He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Well, that's unrealistic. I can't be expected to do that. I can't do that. Well, you're right. You can't. One of our Natural reactions to being hurt is to plot revenge. But do you know how Stephen did it? How he was able to let go of that desire for revenge? How he was able to pray for those who were in the process of murdering him? Here you go. This is about Stephen, Acts 7 and 55. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Stephen was full of of the Holy Ghost. That's how he was able to let it go while they were in the middle of killing him. He was able to forgive. He was able to release that. And we can do it. We can't do it on our own. It's, we can try and it's going to be frustrating and it's going to be hard. We can do this through the Holy Ghost. If we're full of the Holy Ghost, this is the best way. You're going to get frustrated trying to do it on your own. Once more, all this comes back to the altar, giving ourselves and leaving it 
to God and being like Jesus and letting him fill us. He is our example. He forgave. He let it go. If we want to be like Jesus, we need to start showing mercy to each other, forgiving each other, and not trying to get revenge. If we want harmony, mercy needs to be part of our daily lives. Well, that one got all tough at the end. Does that make sense? I mean, these are things we should know. But for some reason, we like to ignore it and hope we can get away with it. And maybe if I can just get revenge, aha, and then we'll have harmony afterwards. Just let me get this out of the way and then we'll... Anyways, it doesn't work because then they're going to do it. And so on and so forth. I tell someone, someone forgives, someone lets it go. Someone gets full of the Holy Ghost and says, I don't care. Forgive them. <coughs> All right. Well, I'm going to wrap it up. We're going to end with prayer for a minute. I know it went longer. I could have did another week, I guess. This is going to be a long series, I guess. But if we want harmony, these things need to be part of our lives. And um, we're going to need the strength to do these things. Some of them, you know, they're not so hard. When join a company, we, uh, we can do that. We can, we can you know, figure that out. We can do that. Um, but not plotting revenge, not wanting to get revenge, blessing a persecutor. These things come a little bit um, more, more of a challenge. But before, before God changes our circumstances, He wants to change our hearts. And uh, if our, our circumstances change for the better and we remain the same, then we, we aren't getting any better. We're actually kind of becoming worse. And so God's purpose is to not make us comfortable and um, you know, just take care of all that stuff so we don't have to worry about anything. But his purpose is to make us conformable or conform to the image of Jesus in Romans um, 8 and 29. And so sometimes these things come in our lives to, to make us more like him. You know? If um, we never had a chance to forgive, if we never had a chance to show mercy, if we never had a chance to not get revenge, then how could we say like him, Father, forgive them? For they know not what they do. How could we pray for our persecutors like he told us to if we don't have any persecutors? How can we forgive and bless our enemies if we don't have any? I don't know where this is coming from. But we need to pray um, that we are made more like him. And again, it's all goes back to the altar. And we ourselves on the altar, being full of the Holy Ghost. And pray that we're made more like Jesus. You know, not to be delivered from every heartache or trial, but pray for strength, pray for the boldness, pray for the endurance to get through the trial so we can learn what it is that he's trying um, to teach us. So we're going to um, just end in prayer. I've gone too long. I'm sorry. Um, what are we at here? There's our little points. We'll just pray for these three things.
um, before we go, hospitality, right? um, enjoying the company of each other, that's what we talked about, humility, um, not being a know-it-all, and then the last one, forgiveness, don't take um, revenge. It'd be easy if, you know, we didn't have to face any of these things, but this is life, people are broken, there's sin in the world, people hurt each other, so we gotta let go, we gotta learn how to forgive, and that's how we do it. So let's pray um, for these, and God will help us with these things tonight. Jesus, hallelujah. God, we thank you um, for your word. We thank you for the examples you've given us. And God, we want to have harmony in our, our lives and in our church and in our homes. And God, I pray that you would work on us as individuals, Jesus, and these, these different points, God. It all kind of um, hinges on pride. And I pray, Jesus, that you would help us to to let go of some of these these things, God, pride and stuff in our hearts. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would uh, help us to, to, to practice hospitality and to enjoy the company of each other. Be willing to, to spend time together and talk and get to know each other and so that you can work through us and, and bind us together in, in different ways and, and unite us and so that there's harmony in in our lives and in the in the church and God I pray that you would help us to show humility and and realize that I don't know everything and I I don't I don't have all the answers and, and sometimes I gotta learn to listen to, to someone else and God also I pray that you would help us to forgive Jesus that you would help us to, to let go of these these feelings of revenge and people that have hurt us some in the church some out of the church God I pray you would Help us to be full of the Holy Ghost like Stephen so that we can pray these prayers and say, Father, forgive them. Now don't lay this to their charge and mean it. I pray in Jesus' name. God, help us to let go of some of these things. God, I pray that you would move in our hearts, God. Above all, draw us closer to you and make us more like you. Conform us in the image of your Son, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.